Hello and you're very welcome to the Irish Photography Podcast and we have a banging episode for you today. We're going to talk about gas makes you a better photographer. So stay tuned, it's coming right up. I don't know who you are, but welcome to the Irish Photography Podcast. Sit back, relax and listen about cameras, gear, settings, stories and all things photography. Join Dermot and Darren on Ireland's Best Photography Podcast. Let's go. Hello and welcome to the Irish Photography Podcast. And yes, we are here today and I'm here as always with Darren J. Spoonley from Cork. How are you feeling, my buddy? Feeling good. Feeling good. Feeling good. Yeah. Happy to be back. I know again in our autumn schedule. So yeah, I think you've got a, an episode this evening that is going to be right up your street, justifying Absolutely. why you are the king of gas. Is that right? You're right. And and look, gas does actually make you a better photographer in my head. And there is pros and cons and there is arguments on both sides. And yes, all of them are valid. But I think that gas does make you actually a better photographer. What would your thoughts be on this kind of argument, Darren? Oh, I have multiple thoughts in it. I mean, look, you know, the better camera doesn't make better pictures unless you know to take a picture in the first place. So, mm-hmm. you know, you could spend all the money you have in the world and conquer that gas feeling that you have every single day. But if you don't know how to take a photograph, then it's not going to do you much good. And on the flip side to that, there are people out there using vintage cameras that are getting much, much better images than people who have the most up-to-date images. Now, okay, granted, it could be subjective in regards to what you're looking for. If you're pixel peeping, which a lot of people do these days, you might find issues oh, yeah, and find problems. Time. But the reality of the situation is... You know, I don't think, and this will be an interesting discussion, I don't think gas can make you a better photographer. I think practice can make you a better photographer. But I'm interested to see what you have to offer on that topic. <laughs> right. I was just typing in, believe it or not, pros and cons of gas, right? And what came up, actually. Pros your and picture cons. of you. Picture of you with a crown oh, in your head. No, no, no. I, I hope there's no picture of me, but it's the other way it kind of suggests what you're going to type next. So uh, pros and cons of neutering a dog. <laughs> <laughs> you should be neutered. Woof, woof. <laughs> I am neutered. I actually am neutered. I got neutered. Go. Was it two years ago? Yeah, yeah true story. Yeah. Did. Yeah. Anyway, we have gone way off topic already, already. talking about <laughs> neutering. But anyway, look, so yeah, look, I see your point of view that Joy, you train yourself uh, can be better for the overall kind of experience of being a f- better photographer. But in the case where someone's educated enough to be competent with any camera, no matter what, no matter what camera you put in this, this guy's hand or this girl's hand, whether it's a Canon uh, 750D or if it's a Nikon D7000, whether it's a Sony A7R Mark One, it could be a Fuji film for God's sake. Any camera, put a camera in this person's hand, and they will deliver results. Pentax. Sorry? Pentax? Pe- oh, no, no, no. Pentax is a different <laughs> kettle of fish altogether. <laughs> Jared Poland loves those cameras. I think he has one. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, like, like you put any camera in this person's hand and they're quite happy and they can make it work. They can make it sing and take a beautiful picture. But what I'm getting at is, and this has happened to me loads of times, I get in a bit of a funk and I kind of go, Ugh. especially in, was it year 2017, Darren? Or 2018, where I think I got out like four times in the whole yeah. year for yeah. photographs. And it was just a bad year for me from a photographic perspective. And I didn't want to go out in at times. And I'm like, and I felt that 
well, it's not that I felt, but when I start to get new things, I got this renewed juice of energy. And then by buying that item, I went out and I used it and I used it, I used it continuously, making myself learn more about photography with that item that I got. Now, there'll come a time, there'll come a plateau where I'll kind of, okay, I'm finished with this, I'm bored of it. Let's buy something new. Let's try something new, some creative lens, our new camera, and I'll buy that. And then I'll work and I'll work and I'll work and I'll work continuously, hours, countless hours, on that item that I have and make that thing sing for me. So overall, in the amount of time that I've changed to five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten lenses, I've went through six, seven, five, whatever camera bodies it is, and I've made myself a better photographer by having all these items. So gas is winning for me. But there is a caveat. These things do cost money, you know, and but there is ways around it, but I'll, I'll get to that in a few minutes. But what do you think of the things I just said there? I think you probably have a grain of truth in what you're saying. However, if you don't have the skills, like you said a moment ago, of that person that can pick up any camera, whatever it may be, and get a good shot, that's because they know how to take a photograph. If you don't know how to take a photograph, for all the will in the world, no matter what you have in front of you, you will not get better. Unless mm -hmm. it has a new feature that you say, wow, I want to figure out how to do that. And that will make you a better photographer. So case in point, okay, with the slider, okay, that's not a camera. But it is part of gas. And you saw that, you know, when Gavin had it, and went, oh, shiny, I want to have it. Okay, great. You got it. And all of a sudden, it brought you up another level because you were able to add another dimension into your photography, but also into your filmmaking. So mm -hmm. does it make you a better photographer? Mm, yes and no. I mean, you know, you wouldn't know how to do time lapses unless you had said, okay, I want to add this dimension to it. Okay, anybody can do a static time lapse. Set the camera up, constant take photos, put it into LR time lapse and bang, off you go. But when you add in this movement in the tracker, yes, it adds another dimension. So on that way, I can say, okay, it can make you a better photographer, but you know what you're doing in the first instance. So the new technology brings that up another level. However, how about if you are so used to using new technology that you can't go backwards? So an example would be that I now use a digital camera and I love the instant gratification, taking that picture, looking the back of the screen, that's what I've got. As you know, I started off on film, so I wouldn't have that visibility. So now, if I was to go back to using film, am I going to be missing all the things that I would have had in my newer digital camera, which is going to restrict me to go backwards? So in that way, it can actually be in the detriment in regards to the skills, because if you don't understand how you're getting your photo, but the new technology is helping you to get that photo, does it actually make you a better photographer? Or is it the technology that's actually making you produce a better image? At the end of the day, you're still producing a better image, so it's making you a better photographer. <laughs> but the, yeah, okay, fair enough. You, ha you have got validity on that. I mean, okay, an example, my first digital camera uh, from an SLR point of view or DSLR was a Canon 1000D. My second camera yeah. was a Canon 70D. And then my, my current camera is a Canon 60. So the 60 is a full-frame camera. It's leagues ahead of the 1000D. And it's way ahead yeah. of the 70D. But the 70D had an articulating screen that I don't have on my 60. So if I was so used to using that technology that I couldn't understand all of a sudden I'm using this and it doesn't have that, I might find that restrictive. So, you know, then on top of that, I struggle like you, I hate noise. And I remember mm -hmm. 
the images I was taking. I was actually with John Myler. We were down on an MLP meetup, one of the ones I organised. We went down to Killarney. And John had said, Darren, you know what? Later on, the Milky Way is going to rise over in the middle of the gap of Dunlow. Come on, we go do it. And I said, okay, yeah, perfect. And we went, and there's around six or seven of us went in the end. And I remember looking at the photograph on the back of John's camera and then looking at my photograph with exactly the same settings. And mine was absolutely destroyed in noise. And his wasn't. And I was thinking to myself, okay, do I need to get a better camera to get better photos? Yeah, I do on that instance because the sensor is better at handling the low light and stuff like that. But compositionally wise and knowing how to take a photo, like I said a moment ago, if I don't have those skills, then is a shiny new camera going to make me better? No, it's not. True. Very true. What I produce is going to be better because the technology is producing the image. But as far as competence goes... I might actually be worse off and I'm relying now on what I can see, like I say, instant gratification on the back of the camera. Oh, I need to adjust that. Whereas if I didn't have that, I'd have to use a light meter. I'd have to understand exactly what I need to do before I take that shot. And I'm really, you know, intrigued in regards to where you say, like I said, that that gas is going to make you a better photographer. I think it's going to produce better results. Does that mean you're a better photographer? Yeah. Once you twist it kind of that way, you have, like you said, a validity of points. Um, but think of it this way. So if I arrived on the scene, I have the exact same camera as John Myler, right? Mm-hmm. And he is a Canon 60 and you had a Canon 60. And then I arrived on with a Canon 60. What lens were you shooting on that evening? Just for argument's sake. Um, I don't remember. I don't remember. God, let's just say fucking your, your beautiful 16 to 35, right? Didn't have, I didn't have that then, but either which way, yeah, okay. Whatever yeah, it was. But yeah. if, I know where you're going here. So if it wasn't a 2.8 or a wider... So he's going to get more light in, which means he's going to have an opportunity to have a better, cleaner image, whereas mine exactly. is going to be worse. Yeah, exactly. So like if I arrive on with my Sigma 20mm 1.4 and I take a photograph and I have way lower ISO, I mean, I can drop my ISO down to 800, 1000 ISO, 1.4, bang off a shot. And my shot is ridiculously far more cleaner than the two of yours put together. It is. You know, so de- but again... I am trained in photography. I know how to put a picture together. And so do you, and so does John. So my gear, my gas, is getting me, is become, making me a better photographer. It's getting me a better image than the uh-huh. TV. Yes, that's my point. Is, that, is it making you a better photographer? Because we all have equal skills. But your technology is producing a better result at the end of the day. Now, to the lay person, yeah. looking at those images, you put the three of them side by side, and you see mine with the worst noise, John's has a very little noise and you've no noise at all. Does that mm. mean you're a better photographer? Uh, maybe. <laughs> might be. <laughs> well, to the layperson's eyes, they might look at that no, and go, no, man, yeah, because he, you, yeah, exactly. You put these three images up on a competition, right? Just say for arguments, uh, which one do you prefer? And they all seem to go for my one because it's cleaner, it's nicer, right? And then in their eyes and in my eyes and maybe in someone else's eyes, I'm a better photographer. Yeah, again, that's the flip side to looking at that because <laughs> perception is reality. So if you perceive something yeah. to be better because you're looking at it, then that becomes your reality. Now, you know, how appealing is that to the layperson's eye? Or would it be the likes of the three of us going, hang on a second here, man. You know, we all knew how to take it. We all had exactly the same composition. It just so happened that your gas got you a better image. Okay, fair enough. You got a better image. But that doesn't mean you're yeah. a better photographer in my eyes. It means that we all mm-hmm. know how to take a photograph, but you have produced a better shot. And you know what? When you think about it there as well, right, in the things that we do on a regular basis, 
you're from a from a wedding photographer point of view, okay? So mm-hmm. this is where I'd say that gas could make you a better photographer because you're producing something for your client, which is images of their yeah. wedding. If you rock up with a kit camera and a kit lens, and I rock up with a full frame and an L lens, I am going to get better photographs. We may both know how to take them, but my images are going to be better. So who is going to be happier or who are they going to be happier with images-wise, mine or yours? But then, all of a sudden, I introduce my flash and I understand off-camera flash and I understand about doing different light. I can actually disguise my poorer equipment by adding more equipment, let's just say, to compensate for the shortcomings of my camera. So it all depends on what you want to get out of that. I mean, I think personally... That okay? Have I got a better? Have I become a better photographer because of the gear that I have accumulated over years? Yeah, maybe. Why? Because I now know how to do more things, and I would never have yeah. put myself in a position to learn how to use those things unless I had the technology to allow me to be able to be in that position of doing it. So, a simple example: look at Astro. Am I really going to go out with my Canon one thousand D? And a kit lens, or whatever the kit lens is, a 16 to 55 or 17 to 55, whatever it comes with it. And am I going to 18 get... 18 to 55, that's it. There you 18 go. to yeah. 55. Am, am I going to get a better image than you with all your pro gear? Absolutely not. I'm not. There's, there's no question about that. But have I gotten... Are, are you better? I don't know. No. That's I an argument. Know. It is an argument, you know. But like, like yeah, let's take yeah. let's take a look, right? And I know it's difficult for you because you have pretty much everything that's shiny. Even though, by the way, camera gear is purposely made dark and black so it doesn't shiny as much. Imagine if it was silver or chrome, you'd be all seed, man. Slider is chrome everywhere. You know? Slider silver. Yeah, right. So mm-hmm. look at the the technology that you have and that what you've accumulated over the years, right? And look at one there yeah. now as an example that you've gone into recently, which is underwater. Okay, so. Absolutely, the gear there is going to produce better images for you. You're going to get more enjoyment out of it. You're not going to be restricted in regards to the pixel peeping that we all do ourselves, by the way. So forget about somebody who's looking at our images. When we take our photograph, what's the first thing we do? We zoom in and we go, is that sharp? Oh, we look for faults. We're fault photographers, if that makes any sense. Like Straight away, you look at a picture, you want to see where they messed up. Exactly, uh, right? And, and, and But it starts with us, and it starts with our own images. It should start with us in our own images because we should be self-critical in regards to the purpose of getting better. But if I take a photograph and I go, that's a banger, that's amazing, and then all of a sudden you look at that and you go, Darren, what's the story with all the noise? And I'm going, what noise? What do you talk about what noise? It's like it's riddled in noise, man. Can you not see it? No, I can't. Yeah. Are you a better photographer because yeah. you spotted the noise? Because my technology didn't come up to speed in regards to what you have. But that being said, with the underwater gear, you know, without having gas, you will not get the quality that you want to be able to get. You will not produce better things and you will not, I suppose, exercise your creative juices more because you'll be unhappy with the results that your, in inverted commas, inferior technology is producing for you. So you may not advance. You may not go down that level. You may never have gone into the water and said, what's the point in doing all this? Because when the images I'm going to get are crap. Whereas now you've put your new upgraded housing, you're putting your EOSR under the water, you're delighted with what you can get from it. So it's now pushing you on and saying, I want to do more of this. I want to get better at this. Yeah, okay, granted, you will become a better photographer because you're happy with the results that the technology is giving you. It's more in line with what you were expecting. You know what we said before about expectations in reality. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I personally 
Okay, and as you know, I've said before, like, you know, okay, I am a qualified paddy scuba diver, but I've never got into the water from the day that I qualified. Now, if I was to go back into the water, would you think the first thing I would do would be going, okay, I got to buy that water hosing, I got to buy this? No, not. I'm going to go down and get used to being in the water again. And then I might say, all right, you know what? Yeah, I'm looking at what Dad's producing there and what I'm producing. I think I need to spend some money. But mm. again, that probably would make me better because I'd be looking out for things based on what the technology can do. But I don't, again, I don't fully agree with you that gas can make you a better photographer. I think gas can give you better results. Yeah, I can see your your, your argument. And you're not wrong, but you're not 100% right either, do you know? And I'm the same. I think if you marry all these aspects together, then you have a more of a complete answer. I mean, like, if you invest in your gear, great. It's going to help you along, leaps and bounds. If you invest in yourself from an educational point, uh, point of view, that is going to help you leaps and bounds. And then if you just keep working hard, nonstop, like take your camera with you everywhere you go, take pictures, take pictures, take pictures, and just improve over time. If you marry those three things together, then that will completely make you a better photographer. Take workshops, go out with friends, go do this, go do that. Like I said, just bring that camera everywhere and take pictures of absolutely everything. Don't just stick to the mainstream of one thing that you always want to do. So like uh, taking landscapes all the time, go do something else. Go shoot macro, go shoot a wedding, go shoot your kids, go shoot something and do take, uh, like we talked about in the podcast a hundred times, Darren, how you can marry one style of photography into another, Yeah, you know, and how it can make you a better photographer. So like, it's not just the one thing, it's like gear, it, it look, let's not beat around the bush. It can get you better images and it can make you a better photographer. It gives you that, that juice, that energy to go out and use that camera, use this thing. You know, so that's that. That's my side of the argument. But you're mad to say something, so go on. Yeah, your but lips I, are trembling there. They are, and I, t- and I tell you, because I'm thinking <laughs> of an example that backs up your statement, so you should let me actually jump in on it, right? Um, last year, we went down to the deer rut. Hopefully, we'll get down to it again this year. We went down to the deer rut, and I was like a pipsqueak with my 70 to 200, whereas all the bazooka boys with their 150 to 600s. I didn't enjoy taking the photographs of the deer, because why? I couldn't get close enough in regards to filling the frame. They were tiny in regards to the frame that I was at. Yet, I'm looking at you guys going, oh yeah, look, he's over there inside the tree. And I'm like, oh, number one, what tree? <laughs> number two, I can't <laughs> see him. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, now that I have my 150 to 600, okay, I'm looking forward to going back for that, but I'm actually learning new skills because of the technology or the gear that I have because I'm now seeing things and picking out tiny little vignettes in the landscape by using my 150 to 600. And a case in point is the image. I took three images when I went down to your your stomping grounds, right, on Lupehead when I did that Lupehead Drive video, mm. right? I took three images. Why? Because the light wasn't there. It was raining. It was miserable. There wasn't a purpose of me taking a photograph. And I was just waiting around hoping that the light would change. We had a tiny, tiny, tiny gap. And I said, Do you know what? I see light. It's way over there. I think it was George's head or something. You said that the light was on in one of the images that I had. If I had my 7200, I wouldn't have taken that shot because I wouldn't have been able to get in close enough to be able to make that part of the image. Likewise, when I said about the weather and the break that we had, there was a tiny, tiny gap in the clouds. It was pissing rain. And all of a sudden, I see this beautiful light coming down through this, probably, what, two kilometers, three kilometers off the coast or something like that. So I was... It was with Patrick Murta, and I went, Patrick, check it out. Hang on, 
Tron and the 150 to 600. First photograph I took with the 150, I left purposely a small bit of land there just to be able to have a bit of an anchor in regards to the image and you could see the thing in the, in the distance. Then I zoomed yeah. into 600 and I had, there you go, there's the image of the rain falling with the light coming down in between it. I would never have even dreamt about taking that shot unless I had the 150 to 600. And I would never even have thought to do that type of shot unless I had the gear to put me in that position to find that shot. So yes, it can make you a better photographer because it can open up new skills and then you master, or not master, well, ultimately master, but you you practice with the aim of mastering that. So my intention is that I'll use my 150 to 600 as much as I can. So when it does come back to the deer rut, I'm ready and I'm ready to go. And another point, when we went off up on our trip in March to uh, Donegal before the whole COVID thing kicked in, we went to um, Don Patrick Head. We had beautiful light. I remember at the time we were both going, we ought to be going up here for this is what we need to be shooting. And you had your 150 to 600 and you were picking out these waves and getting these incredible, beautiful photographs. I got nice shots. Yeah but they were nowhere near as good as yours. Does that mean that you're a better photographer? Possibly, because you're able to now see in the realm of 600 mil, which I never was. And now you've yep. got that skill set to, number one, look for that, but also, number two, be able to take that image. So yeah, granted, like I say on this occasion, it could make you a better photographer because you're now looking out for things that you wouldn't have looked out for in the past if you didn't have that gear. Yeah, yeah, I agree. 100%. But I agree with one of your points that you made at the start, and I think this is the most important thing. I only put this in as a topic to be controversial. I wanted the two of us to go at it, and we did. And I think we truly, inside, believe the same thing. Education is far more important than absolutely any piece of gear in any way, shape, or form. You know, um, it, it is paramount. So yeah. just for people who are listening, okay, I'm holding up a lens ball, okay? It's something I've had for, well, Explain to someone years. who what a lens ball actually is, because some people might know. Okay, so it effectively is a ball that is made of glass or crystal, and you can see through it uninterrupted. There is no defects or anything like that within it. So it allows you to, to bring that out um, and put it in your scene. And when you're focusing through it, what you're focusing on the other end is actually going to be a flipped image, but it can give you yeah. some really, really creative viewpoints. If I didn't have this, I would never think to put it in a situation where I think it would look well. Now, this isn't technology, by the way. This is nothing shiny. Well, there's lots of shiny because it's glass, but you know what I mean? It's not shiny in, in, in the shiny. way that you'd normally look at that. Yeah. But, you know, that's something that I have it. I know how to use it. I've learned that skill. How often do I use it? Never. No, actually, <laughs> I, I, I mentioned this before in a previous podcast, but somebody that may not have listened to that podcast, you know, I, I went to the States um, and I brought this with me to the States. And it's heavy, okay? And I brought it with me to the States. And I was flying from Chicago to San Francisco. And I was going through an internal flight, everything else. There's no problem in regards to that. And I went through the um, x-ray. And all of a sudden, I could see these guys going, come here, look at this, come here, look at this. There's three guys over, and all of a sudden they're going, sir, is this your bag? And I'm like, yeah. Okay, sir, we're going to open your bag. I went, yeah, yeah, sure, no problem. What's in your bag, sir? And I said, uh, it's camera gear. Like, you know, he says, sir, that's not camera gear. I says, how do you mean? He looked at the screen and this thing was just lighting up. It was like something I can, something you'd see from a movie, right? Because the x-rays were hitting it and they were bouncing back in regards to it. And he looked at me and he said, sir, how is this for photography? 
So I explained to him what yeah. it was and he went, oh, wow, that's quite creative. And I went, oh, yeah. He goes, thanks very much for educating us. And off he went. Now, does that make me a better photographer in his eyes? He might go, look at this guy. Look at this spa walking around with this thing inside in his bag. Or he might turn and go, that's a creative guy. He's finding new things. You know what I mean? Or whatever it may have been. But yeah, yeah. that's an example, I think, where, yes, you can learn a new skill because you have something um, that puts you in a position to get better that you would never have gotten better on if you haven't had that technology. Yeah, yeah. You know? it's, a, it's, it's a great topic to talk about it. And I think it's something that I've been kind of wanting to talk about for quite some time to kind of help me validate my gas, apparently. But um, <laughs> I'm going the opposite way. I'm going the opposite way uh, for now. I'm actually selling a lot of my stuff as of late. I sold my surfboard, Darren. Yeah, but hang on a second. Hang on, hang on, hang on. You make that sound like it's all, you know, whatever, I'm a martyr. Why are you selling all these things? Because you want to get something else, shit. which is extremely shiny, yeah? Shit, 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 shit. Yeah, exactly. Shit, so shit. <laughs> you are removing one part of gas to replace it with an even bigger part of gas. Yeah, so I sold yeah, surfboard. So, so, yeah. I sold the kayak. You see, hang on, you used uh, the surfboard twice anyway, right? The first day was the time when you tried Gitzo it out. Tripod. I sold my Gitzo tripod yesterday. Did you? Um, yeah. Uh, what else did I sell? I sold my soul to the devil. You did that a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um friend of mine kind of, uh, ah, look, bought a freaking jet ski, man. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I bought a jet ski that needs a bit of work and I think a few people have seen it maybe on Instagram already but um, we bought the shell and everything's like there's parts of the engine that we need to rebuild and kind of um, more of a project we're vlogging the whole experience then as well to kind of make it that much better brilliant that's really really cool because I'm actually learning so much more about technology from an engineering point of view and how uh, an engine works I mean really like there's a few bits and bobs I knew all along but man, once you're in the thick of things and taking things out, and ah, it's amazing. The engineering on how an engine works, it's just phenomenal, man. I've never, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, so on this occasion, so, you know, gas makes you a better mechanic. Correct. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Anyway, look, guys, we've waffled on about gas for long enough as it is. Look, we'd love, we genuinely, we want to hear your thoughts about gas does it make you a better photographer and has it made you a better photographer give us an instance give us an example of how you think it made you a better photographer or did you buy a piece of technology that made you worse that would be even far more entertaining <laughs> to be totally honest it so would. yeah do drop them in drop them in the facebook page go on darren i cut across you there no i said it would it would be very interesting to see and you know what we should do we should put up a poll and see what people are thoughts in regards to it once the episode goes live yeah 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 very true very true all right guys we're going to go for a quick break and we will be right back with some uh darren is going to read some news this week first time ever talk to you soon Today's episode is sponsored by O3. As a company with an international reputation for quality and customer care that they are told is second to none, they fully understand their obligation to you, the customer. Each suit is manufactured to an established procedure that they have developed and evolved over the years. 
With their experienced, dedicated team, O3 has grown into the respected dry suit and wetsuit manufacturer and is an established market leader, putting quality neoprene innovation and service at the very core of everything they do. O3, coming from the cold. And you're very welcome back to the Irish Photography Podcast, and now it's time for the news. So, Dermot, you know, anybody who's anybody in photography has known that there's been a big story broke. Uh, when did they launch this? Around a month or so ago, when Canon rocked the world and released their EOS R5. And it was generally yeah. greeted with amazement in regards to, my God, they can put all this inside and that, that is absolutely incredible. However, big problem, overheating. And there's a number mm. amount of videos online and reviews online and the amount of disdain that people are showing in regards to this. Now, it's always going to be the case, you know, um, when Canon first released the EOS R, they were lucky because two weeks beforehand, Nikon released their Z, whatever number it was, five and six, I think it was, and they got lambasted by only having one memory card. Two weeks Carried later, that, yeah. Canon come out with the EOS R, guess what, has one memory card, but nobody has given out to Canon. So they were very, very lucky in regards to that. However, <laughs> being a victim of their own success and what they released and everybody going, this can't be real, this can't be real. It was real, but it came with the caveat, which was, if you want to record in 8, 8K or even 4K, 120, I think it was, and 4K 60, yeah. um, you have restrictions because the camera would overheat. And the amount of people going, oh my God, look at the amount of technology this is using and it must be really getting bad for it and it's cutting itself off so it doesn't overheat. And people are kind of going, is it a deal breaker? Ah, it's not really. I'm not going to shoot in 8K. Uh, I'd love to be able to do it, but okay, you know what? People were then also saying, look, Canon kind of pitched this in the wrong way. They should have said that it's a top-end um, photo camera, but it also has this, but they didn't. They led with the fact that it had 8K and quite rightly so because it is groundbreaking. But, when you can't use it for what you want to use it, it left a bad taste in people's mouth. And then people were kind of looking in and doing all these tests. You know, I saw uh, Matty Hapoya uh, doing major tests where he was recording and then he put the camera into the freezer to cool it down afterwards and then go, yeah, it's cooled down again. I can recording, recording, recording. Guess what, Dermot? It seems that what? all of this is fake news. All of it. Go away. So on the, news, it- on the news article from Petapixel, uh, it's quite interesting, okay? And the the headline is, Simple Hack Proves the Canon EOS R5 Overheating Limit is Artificial. Artificial. Go on. Artificial. Let me hear it. Let okay. me hear it, because I, 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 before we, actually, before we talk about it, right? Who who wrote the article, like? Who, who, who uh, does it come from? Well, Okay, I'll, re- I'll read it there out from what they say on it, okay? So it's after a DP okay, review okay. forum user suggested that the controversial overheating and recovery time limits of the Canon EOS R5 may not be based on temperature at all. Several people have tried various different hacks to seem to prove him right. Based on these tests, there is an artificial timer built into the camera's firmware, which can be reset. Story begins last week when a user on a Chinese social site called Badu broke open their EOS R5. Now, that's a brave person to break open their EOS R5, but anyway. And they found that removing a small internal button battery reset the overheating timer, timer, allowing them to go right back shooting and without any recovery time. 
Now, you have a computer, and in the old days, I suppose, I don't know if it's the same on a Mac, I imagine it is, but there's a tiny, tiny, tiny little circular battery that sits within all computers, and what it is, basically, is it controls the date and time. So when you turn off the computer, it saves the date and time, and that's still using the power in the back end of that. Okay, so something very, very similar mm -hmm. to that. Now, within this article, uh, a petapixel reader sent a link, and they've done an Imgur translation as well only last Thursday, um, but they had no way to verify the information, so they held off. However, it was picked up and shared more widely by Andrew Reid at EOSHD, which may be very, very well led to the revelation that came next. What's the, what's the revelation? Do you want to have a guess? Dave. No, go on, go on, go okay. first. So the battery is one part of it, so they took, they took the battery out, okay? So the user who goes by the name of Horse Hack or Horse Shack. <laughs> ah, there you go. I don't believe it. With a name Horse Hack. Fuck that. Uh, well, Horse Shack. Sorry. Uh, he proposed an easier way to bypass this function, okay? And he suggests that you could reset these timers by activating the Canon's battery door sensor and then pulling the battery while the camera is still recording. This will prevent the R5 from writing to the terminal information to non-volatile memory, so NVRAM, and if you don't corrupt mm -hmm. your footage in the process, you can shoot as much 8K or 4K HQ <laughs> as your heart desires without <laughs> running into the overheating limits. So, long story short, Horsack or Horshack <laughs> was exactly right, as you can see from the various video testings in the theory below. And they go through a number of different things below that, okay? So we'll put a link to the actual, um, to the link so people can read that. But here's an interesting one for me. Several people, starting with a YouTuber called J. Marcus Photography, then read at EOS HD, and then some of the bigger YouTubers like Matt Granger have all run some versions in this test and produced the same results. It can prevent the camera from writing to the thermal info to the NVRAM and it resets like nothing happened. So if the overheating level was actually based on the temperature sensor and the heat inside the camera, then this hack wouldn't work. The camera would just reread the thermal info as soon as you turned the camera back on, and it was still overheating. The fact that these tests reset the timer or issue proved that Canon baked a timer directly into the firmware instead. Now, what do you think of that? And why would you okay. do that? Now, here's... a. a one thing that you said really stuck out my mind. Horsack. Horsack? Horsack, whatever his name was. Horsack, Horsack, I was like, Jesus. No, if it doesn't corrupt the data, it'll keep recording. The fact that the statement, the article says that, if it doesn't corrupt the data. So in the back of your mind, okay, that this could happen, this could actually corrupt your video footage that you've been shooting all day long. But yeah. there's a possibility of it being corrupted. That's, my ears pricked up when, when you said that. You know, now, is there some truth to this article? Maybe, just maybe, and maybe with some firmer updates or whatever, that it could maybe be changed. And if it can be, I think it should. But the facts... Canon put, I, I'd love to know why Canon put this in place, that it resets or whatever, and use a tiny little screw or whatever the crack is, but I have a theory. You know, I've, I've mixed feelings about this, Darren, I really do. I have a theory, I have mixed feelings as well, because my theory is this, uh, you know, like I say, Canon got lambasted because they were so late coming to the market in regards to going mirrorless, correct? Yeah. Okay. So Sony were kind of mocking them. And, oh, look at this, blah, blah, blah. And Sony to this day is still mocking them, right? Because in regards to, oh, Sony have done this and they're better, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I have a feeling that Canon sat down in a group and said, all right, guys, 
I want you to design a kick-ass camera. I want you to shut these guys up in Sony and I want them to show them that Canon are the biggest, Canon are the best, Canon are the greatest, now off you go. So they all sat down with their biggest wish list and going, what would you like? Oh, I'd like to be able to record 4K 120. Ah, why don't we go 8K one? Can we do it? Let's try. Okay, I'd like to be able to get a 36 megapixel image. Really? Why don't you go bigger? Oh, that's a bit too big. Okay, how about we get the ideal size? Okay, let's go for the 45 megapixel or whatever the actual amount of it is. Okay, what other things can I have in it? Okay, in-body stabilization. Yeah, let's put that in as well. Okay, two cards. Yeah, let's do it. And hang on, we, if we're going to go to 8K, we got to go for a faster card, don't we? Let's come on, let's lead the way. Let's get the CF Express card as well. Okay, yeah, let's do that. So they did a big long list of all the things they did. They were tasked to doing a job. And guess what? they were able to do the job. And when they came back and they sat down and said, guys, you asked us to design a kick-ass camera. This is what we've done. Immediately is, oh my God, this is amazing. How did you do it? Okay, fair enough. But hang on, who are you pitching this at? Because if you want people to be able to use the EOS, then you're not going to be using the RED, which is a ridiculous price, much more expensive than the EOS RP, or the RS, R5, sorry. RP. Uh, R5, so. <laughs> Definitely the RP for RP, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then uh, you also have the, the C series, so the C300s and such like that, which again are cinema grade cameras. Camera. Okay. Now, mm. the cinema grade camera, went, and actually, here's the interesting thing, and I've been mean, you know, watching with bated breath, I suppose, in the opportunities that I can about following the story. And you see a number of people out there, they're kind of going, when he saw the spec of this EOS R5, we were expecting it to come in at €8,000 or $8,000. But it didn't. It came in at 3500 Why? Well, hang on a second, guys. You know, where are we pitching this? All right, look, you know what? We can't push all this out because if we push all this out, we are going to cannibalize the sales of the top-end cameras that we make a lot of money on. Now, by the way, for those that don't know, Canon is not a camera company. Canon Inc. is a huge medical company, and they have a huge amount of technology in a lot of the pharmaceutical industries and the medical industries. So the, Canon as the camera aspect of that is probably small fry in the bigger picture. Quite substantial, obviously, but in the bigger picture, in the billions that they would trans transact every year. So to keep the camera arm going, what should you do in reality? Should you push out the best that you could ever do, and people buy that, and then you're going to cannibalize sales not only on your high-end cameras, but also going forward. And in the market, which is the digital camera market, that is struggling worldwide. That is seeing contraction every single year for the last number of years. Why? Because the advent, as in the advent of um, uh, new phones that are coming out with better cameras, your average Joe blog is not getting into the digital camera sphere because they feel they don't need to. So smartphones are becoming more of a camera than a smartphone in this day and age. So you say, okay, you know what? I don't want to get all this money right now, and then all of a sudden you've got tumbleweeds coming in on the back end. Because let's face it, what can possibly be added to the EOS R5 Mark II that's not already in the EOS R5? So and when is the next iteration of that going to be? Two years down the line? So two years down the line, no. the EOS R5 come, R5 II comes out. What extra is it going to have? There's not much that you can add in right now in this current technology, so nobody's going to buy it. So you have a chance there that you're actually stopping yourself earning a lot of money over the next number of years for the people that would have spent more because they've gone on the higher end of the cameras. So I think before they released it, they went, all right, guys, you did too good a job. We need to dumb this down a small bit because we may end up feeding the consequences in relation to it. And for them to do it as a firmware and not only a, a limitation on what the firmware can do, but they put the limitation there. It's a very, very interesting one to figure out why they would do that. I... I, I, no, again, everything I've just said there is my speculation. There's no fact behind it. But I think there could be a grain of truth in what I'm saying. 
I agree. I genuinely, I never 100% agree with you, but for this instance, I actually do. I mean, you look at, uh, is it Bill Gates, the guy who owns uh, Mike, Windows? Microsoft. Who owns win- Windows? Well, he doesn't anymore. He, right? He's no longer involved in it, but he did, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so this and, and Dell, to whoever owned that company, like they had, I mean, the next 10 years of inventions for computers, but if they were to put all these programs, all these kind of smart technology that they have into one program like Windows 98, then they would never be able to sell Windows XP or windows 2 i don't know what the next iteration is but you, you get me so mark 2 mark 3 mark 4 yeah you know so they release them bit by bit by bit to make their their software sell over a period of time and is that just being stingy or great business sense it's great business sense man this is how the world works believe it or not companies have to make money people have to make money and am i backing up canon here maybe a small bit I'm a Canon fanboy, yeah, but still, like, this is how the world works, you know, you're never going to truly get the best of the best of the cream of the crop that you can get, you know, but you're going to get goddamn close to it, but by the time two years or three years when the Mark II comes out, there's going to be more expectation, people are going to want more, uh, you're going to look like for maybe uh, 4K, 120 frames a second, do you know, which was absolutely insane. But that's there, like, that's there right now. In the Sony, yeah. Yeah. It's also in the R5. 120 frames in 4K. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Jeez. Fucking hell, I need to get one of them, so. <laughs> I think it is, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll double guess. check that. I think it is. Um, but like, you know what? Let me ask you a question. What more could they add right now? What's missing from the EOS R5 right now? 240 frames 4K. <laughs> <laughs> and how often would you use it? Every freaking day. Have you ever seen 240 frames a second slow mo, man? That stuff is insane. I mean, like, oh, it'll make you look good. <laughs> yeah, so hang on. this has full frame 4K 120p. Okay, pretty awesome. Yeah. That is freaking awesome. Now, you know what, right? I think the interesting thing for me when you look at what they've done here, I think they've done too good a job, to be honest with you. Um, and, you know, Sony came out with the A7S, the new Mark, whatever version Mark it is. Mark III. Mark III. Yeah. And again, you say, oh, Sony has this. Okay, great. But how often would the average person use that? That's a very, very niche market that somebody wants to shoot everything in slow-mo. Unless you're Peter McKinnon or whatever, and you want to make a cup of coffee every day. And, you know, normally it would take you, all right, 30 seconds. But for him, it takes 25 minutes because he's got to set up all the shots. But, you know, like, you're not going to use this on a regular basis. And that's where I think... Like, what extra could you need right now that you don't have in this? It's quite difficult for me to even think about what you would extra need. This is the end all of end alls right now in the current technology for what most people would need. And if you were to go off and make a film tomorrow, would you go off? Now, okay, if you, it's, it's kind of a loaded question because if you're going off to make a film tomorrow and you had a budget, you'd go, oh, I want the red, lads, get the red. You have to have the red. But if you were making one and your own budget. No, no, I, I wouldn't want to read because I wouldn't have a clue how to use it. If you put an R5 in my hand, I know how to use that. If you put a red Epic in my hand, I don't know what button does what. But you'd, pr- you'd pretty quickly learn it. It's Canon ecosystem. You'd learn that pretty quickly. Is it? It's, it's I Canon. Know, I, like, no I mean, it's not, I haven't never even seen one. They might say use one. But at the same point, you know, you've got the C300s as another example. They're cinema grade. And there are people that are mm-hmm. making movies on these cameras. I tell you, it will not be long before we see even a Netflix movie that has been recorded on a Canon EOS R5. 
The quality is that good. I don't think in the USR. I don't think. I mean, it's it's a crop 4K, you know, so it's not proper 4K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this yeah. is everything that you could possibly need. Right now, this is above and beyond the technology that we ever even thought was possible in a consumer camera. I think they just did too good a job. Now, how do you backtrack in regards to this? You, whoa, know, whoa, whoa. you, you, you can't call the R5 a consumer camera. You cannot. It is a consumer camera. It's not. It's in the price bracket that a consumer who is somebody not using it professionally would go, I like all those toys. I like things shiny. Whereas you go for a so red, not that's not a consumer R5 camera. A, a professional camera. It is a professional camera, but in the pricing that they've positioned it, in the US is €3,500. Okay, you can buy a, a Sony A7R Mark IV for $3,000. So it's $600 more expensive. Is the A7R Mark IV a consumer camera? Or is it a pro camera? It's, it's a pro camera. And is it only pros to have it, or is there lots of consumers to have the A7R Mark IV? No, it's not, but it's a pro-level camera. Like it, it is, but it's still it's in the, in the price bracket <laughs> that a consumer could purchase it. A pro-pro-level is a red, €40,000 for a camera. A pro-level is a C300, €20,000 for a camera. This is in yeah. a bracket that is not in the stratosphere or skyscraper levels of pricing that you would expect for what you're getting in that body. And, you know, okay. uh, and, and I love just one, one of the point, and I loved all the theories that were coming in regards to why the camera was overheating is because they wanted to keep the integrity of the weather sealing so they couldn't have any fans because then the water would get in. There's no need for all this. It didn't even need any of that from what they're seeing on this thing they were seeing on Petapixel. It doesn't even need that because the sensor and the processor is not overheating. So, yeah. Okay. Um, Coming back to uh, prosumer or fucking consumer pro, the Canon EOS R5 full frame mirrorless camera body in Canon's cameras is €4,849. Yeah. How can you possibly say that that's a consumer camera? It's it's more or less five grand. It is. Sorry, no, I have to I have to deny that. That is a professional camera. It is not a consumer camera. It is Okay, it is a professional camera, but it's priced that it's not going to be out of reach from somebody who is not a pro. In this day and age, if somebody like you thinks I can get a better camera and going to be a better photographer, I better go get that one. Yeah. <laughs> They'll go off and say, you know what? Yeah. Okay. My kids aren't going to get any holidays. Oh, guess what? Nobody's going to get any holidays this year anyway. So I'm spending the money on what I always wanted. And you know what? It's an investment, darling. Okay. It's an investment. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Let's just say, how much is a Red Epic? Mm, I think around 40,000 or something like that. 40,000. Okay, fine. Okay. What if someone's not a professional and pays 40 grand because he's a he's a, an enthusiast. He pays 40 grand he's for a Red Epic. Does that make does that make that camera a consumer camera? No. Because he's not a professional. No. 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 Well, there's my argument. I, I no, There you go. It's I not I, it is. It, that is the argument. It's a, oh, it's a professional quality camera, absolutely. But it is not yes. it is not priced out of the reach of the average consumer. I've known no consumer that would spend five grand on a camera. <laughs> mm, you'd oh, be surprised. Oh, my God. You'd be surprised. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, but Maybe you, I might be. Well, look, you know, I mean, to, to coin your own phrase, let's not, got back, let's, let's not get bogged down in it, okay? The reality <laughs> of the situation... Let's not get bogged down in that, no, boy. The, the reality of the situation, from what we can see right now, and obviously I'm sure there'll be more and more people, like the fact that Matt, Matt Granger has jumped on this to show it as well, you know, we should see some truths coming out of it quite soon. But overall, I think uh, it would be quite interesting to figure out, is it true and why? Why did they do that? Why would you decide that you wanted to 
restrict something unless you feel it's going to cannibalize your pro cameras. Yeah, yeah, your pro cameras. Good man. You're finally buying into the into the, uh, mm. the thingy me jig. Mm. But look, I would love to see what Canon release as a press statement because when was this article released was it yesterday the day before yeah yeah a couple of days ago i think uh so canon are probably going august to 24th our, on our anniversary and my wedding anniversary yesterday oh yeah that's right yeah congratulations man thanks very much thanks very much commiseration you don't seem very happy about it I, had, I, I <laughs> do you know what i actually completely forgot that it was and i never even took the day off so i, was, I ended up working and i worked a long, 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 long day. So, yeah, it kind of became a yeah. new point, you know? Yeah, I get you, I get you, I get you. But congratulations, anyway. Thanks very um, much. Thanks very much. But, uh, what was I going to say? I was going to say something there. Feck it. Ah, oh, Canon. So, I think they'll probably take their time releasing a statement to these findings, if they do it all, <laughs> to be totally honest. They may. They just they may or bury they may their not. hands in the sand. Yeah, they may or may not, Dodd. It may or may not. It all depends, really, on the the general sentiment, I suppose, that's there, you know. But I think, and I, maybe again, just to go back to why I think they may have done it, you know, from a Japanese point of view, a lot of it is about saving face, I believe, in regards to, you know, the the, the pride in what you're, you're doing and what you're producing. And I'm sure it's a case of, all right, I'm sick of listening to these Sony guys. Let's make sure we put them back in their box. Um, mm. I mean, it may not even be Sony, you know. I mean, it, it could be Nikon. But I mean, Nikon, the sensor in Nikon is, is a Sony sensor. Nikon. (laughs) Oh my God, Nikon. Wooden spoon. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Look, and actually, you know what? I I have another news item as well, speaking of Sony. Oh, Jesus Christ, he's on fire. The The news continued. Um, Sony are calling for female photographers to apply for the 2020 Alpha Female Grant Program. Have you heard of this? Um... He kind of, yeah, I heard rumours about it, all right, yeah. I was a bit, um, yeah, I'm all, like, I love women. <laughs> True story. <laughs> Who doesn't? Yeah. You know, women are absolutely, they're great, and I think they're actually smarter than men, believe it or not. True story. They actually know what they're doing. They can multitask, which is another brilliant thing. You know, they can have babies. We can't have babies. I'd be useless at having a baby, you know. Um, but I think, genuinely, deep down inside, that Sony, and not just Sony, I think Canon, I think Nikon, should have more female ambassadors. Agreed. I mean, they're abs- it doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman, if you're talented enough to be an ambassador of a photography company, then more power to you. And I think far, I mean, I know loads of women who are absolutely amazing with a camera, but they seem to get overlooked for this, for some strange reason. You know, and I think also, you know, from a female point of view, you say it there that women have a lot more skills than men. But you know, typically, I think uh, women and female are more creative than men. Uh, and when you yeah, and you, you sure. put that into look the camera. The, look at the girl who used to work for me, Alana. I mean, like she is absolutely one of the most best wedding photographers in the whole of Ireland, and that girl is far more creative at looking at nooks and crannies and getting these shots. And I, I like she gives me her shots after the wedding and I put them into my computer and I'm like, man, this girl is just unbelievable. But she doesn't market herself in the right way. That's the problem with Alana. She should be up there with the best of them in the country. But she's just, 
she gets too invested into doing the little things. She doesn't think about the big story and she needs to because mm. she could be really special, man. Absolutely. And you know what? I mean, the interesting thing about this, and I think, you know what? I mean, Canon and Nikon, Nikon, whatever you want to call it on Tuesday or Wednesday, um, they should all do something similar and celebrate the fact and try and get more female photographers out there. And it's interesting what they're doing with this because I think they did it in 2018 and now they're doing it here again. Um, and there's going to be 12 grant recipients and this is what they'll receive. A €5,000 grant to fund a specific or well-defined project. A full-frame Sony camera and lens to shoot this said project. One year of Adobe, Adobe Creative Cloud. All apps, subscription to edit the project. One year Sony Pro Support membership and training session with a Pro Support expert. And the opportunity to have the project featured on the alphauniverse.com and the Sony Alpha social media channels. Okay, And I think that's the interesting thing in regards to the prizes. But here's what people need to, to do to enter it. You need to make a, a project proposal essay. So up to 3,000 character essay describing the project you'd like to be funded. You need to make a personal video of up to one minute introducing yourself and providing a broad overview of why you want to pursue this project. And then make a photo or a video submission, which is a minimum of five photos uploaded to your public profile on Alpha Universe for Photographers, or a link to one sample video of up to three minutes long up to, uploaded to YouTube Vimeo for videographers. Now, if you've got a project that you wanted to do, like yours now is an example, okay? So you wanted to do your Ireland project. And you, mm -hmm. let's say you were Dermondia, whatever the female of Dermot is, right? Um, and you said, I want to do this. You could put your idea together and you could win that idea and you could get funded to do that idea and get all your gear and everything else to do it and you're shooting it on a camera. An idea can turn into a project and a reality with a great prize. And I think that's what I like about it from the creativity point of view. And I think it should be something that should be celebrated more. And I agree with you. There should be more female photographers. I mean, we've never had a female guest on a podcast in over two years. Just because there's, there's not many female photographers out there. Mm. That's the problem. Mm. I, I, I don't know. I don't understand why it's a male dominated kind of, not sport, but, uh, pastime. pastime, you know, you and me both. I, know. I don't I'm understand it either. I think it's it's interesting, you know. So yeah, I mean, for more information, I suppose on that, you know, people can go and look at the uh, Alpha Female Plus Grant Program, um, open to women only. You can get your wig out finally if you wanted to and record your video, Dermot. You might get away with it. You have the facial features. Yeah. You don't have, you don't have the beard either, but, so you're all right, like. <laughs> but I'd like to, I'd like to point out as well, Darren. Like it's not that we haven't tried to get female photographers. I've asked quite a f quite a few. But they all seem to uh, shy away from the microphone. They didn't. They weren't fully comfortable. And I don't want to name names either. Do you know? Um, because they're very talented. They're very good. We have tried to get on female photographers. It's just that they weren't comfortable enough on coming on a podcast. And that's fair enough. That's absolutely no problem. And it goes for males as well. Like I've asked a few males to come on, and they weren't comfortable on a microphone they didn't want to be in the spotlight yeah well you know here's something interesting now in a couple of weeks I think Bernard and his podcast will have Rachel Talibart on uh, so he uh, he got ahead of us on getting the uh, the female guest I'm looking forward actually to listening to that fair play to him mm. uh, I think it'll be a very sure. good one as well but yeah you know what um, I'd love to see more because some of the things like you know Elena Shimikova did I pronounce it correct? Elena Shimivola. Shimivola. Yeah. When you went on that workshop up the country with her, you know, she has a mm -hmm. specific style and it's very warm and cozy and a good feeling and a home family feeling and everything yeah. else, you know, and it's about putting people in certain positions within within the image that you would never have thought of. 
unless she, you, you were introduced to that creative eye. And that's what I love about it because let's face it, as men, we are very much so black and white. There's no real in between. Um, whereas the female brain works on many, many different levels and they will see things differently new and I would ev never even see unless it's pointed out to oh, us. Oh, don't worry. My wife tells me all the time. It's a true story, like, <laughs> you know, a true story. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, dear yeah. that's my uh, two bits of the news for this evening. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Did I do good? Come here. Did I do no, good? Did I do good? Did I do good? You did very good and do you want you'll be uh, you'll be doing the news a bit more often now if to be honest with you. <laughs> but anyway, look before we go, I just wanted to have a quick word um the workshops at the weekend we went to the Cliffs of Moher and two very successful workshops with eight very happy clients gone home with some amazing photographs. Two total contrasting different days. First day was just pure, moody, dramatic, aggressive skies. And the second day, like I said, warm, fuzzy, beautiful light. You know, it's just two contrasting scenes, two different types of photographs, but equally awesome. And uh, everyone was really, really, really happy. So the details of the next set of workshops will be released on Wednesday, which is tomorrow. So it actually would have been, by the time you hear this, two days ago. And believe it or not, two spots have been booked already. So um, if you are interested in booking on to the Loop Head Peninsula Photography Workshop Tour, please jump on to the page and uh, send us a mail and uh, we'll get you on there. Yeah, yeah. happy days. And, and all, all females are welcome on that too. You had two girls on it with you on the second one, did you? Correct. And one of those females has paid a deposit for the next workshop already as well. Brilliant. Brilliant. Oh, Brilliant. Yeah. Jan, delighted that they're going well for you. And you know what? Uh, something I've been preaching to you for years is that bad conditions do not exist in landscape photography. And I think you're finally mm -hmm. seeing that because the moody images that True. you got, um, and I've seen a number of them on the group, uh, have been yeah. really, really good, you know. So yeah, well done on doing the, the first two back-to-backs in two different contrasting Thanks, days. Buddy. You did a good job, mate. Fair yeah. play to you. Yeah, it's amazing. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. And guys, uh, that's the end of the podcast for today. If you'd enjoyed this, to rate us on iTunes, genuinely, please go into iTunes and do it. I know you hear it as an outro on every podcast, but I really want you to go give us five stars. Do you know, just say something nice. It kind of helps and boost our ratings here in the podcast. And if you'd like to further experience and kind of get involved, do jump onto the Facebook page, post a comment, spark a bit of conversation, share your photographs on Instagram with the hashtag The Irish Photography Podcast. Darren does a great job over there on the Instagram page. And we'll catch you in the next episode, guys. Thank you very much for listening to The Irish Photography Podcast. And I'll see you in two weeks' time. Ayo. Slang of all, everybody. Thanks as always for listening. And don't forget, share the shit out of it. Hey guys, if you dig what you're hearing, why don't you jump over to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star rating, and don't forget to share with your friends. With all that done, we'll see you next week, and remember, keep shooting.